Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are one sleep away from the Fever Tree Championships at the Queen's Club, where myself, David Law and Gigi Salmon currently stand on the tournament director's balcony looking over a glorious sight. It is centre court. It does have 14 of the world's top 30 here ready to play on it. And it will also have the returning Novak Djokovic after eight years away and Andy Murray, who hasn't played a tennis match on the tour for 11 months. But he's going to be back here and we're going to hear from him. We're going to hear from Novak Djokovic here on the Tennis Podcast. Fantastic chats uh, that Catherine Whitaker had with Andy and Gigi had with Novak today. It was media day. We've had a lot of fun uh, going through and talking to all the players today, Gigi. The, the, the anticipation is building. And, I mean, there were so many crews today out there, weren't they? It was, it was a lot happening. It was like television alley along the south stand at the bottom. And each time a player arrived, they said, this centre court is amazing. When you ask for the memories of being here, why they like to come back here they said this is quite possibly one of the best grass courts in the world and Novak Djokovic said it's great you can't practice on centre court he said it's so unique that you're not allowed out there until you actually play on it everyone's in a good mood but they normally are before the tournament starts we spoke to some people who've come through qualifying so very very happy they just relax they love being out here on the grass and it's a nice day isn't it media day to speak to them but they had a lot of work to do. when they came to us there was a little bit more fun so it was a lot of them quite serious interviews but we're also a little bit of a mix yes it, it was and you're going to be hearing that little bit of a mix over the course of the next week and if you monitor the tournament's social media channels at queen's tennis on twitter and facebook uh, fever tree championships on instagram you'll hear all these little interviews that Gigi and Catherine are doing over the course of the week and we'll bring you the very best stuff here on the tennis podcast i should also say Fever Tree is our new title sponsor. We mentioned it in the intro there. Uh, they are a, a fantastic company, a premium mixer drinks company, and uh, joined forces with this tournament just a few months ago. And uh, the place looks different. We have grey seats. We have uh, 
beautiful Mediterranean blue backboards, uh, Gigi. And we also have a brand new television partner because Amazon Prime Video will be broadcasting this tournament in full in the UK over the next week. And uh, they will be on air before play starts until the very last ball. They'll have highlights as well. So do make sure you tune in because another good reason, Catherine Whitaker of Tennis Podcast Parish is presenting it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's exciting times, isn't it? The Amazon coming into the tennis market to see what they're going to do. They're, they're excited. They're putting a lot into it. I know Catherine's been rehearsing today, which is why I'm here with you or why you're here with me. I'm not quite sure which way around it is because I'm standing in for you for most of the week. I think I'm in for Catherine this evening. But exciting times for everyone and everything to do with Amazon. Indeed. And so, Andy Murray is back, Gigi. I have to say, we're going to hear from him now, but I have to say... I, I, as much as we wanted to see him back, it's it feels like a bit of a surprise that he is back. It does because he admitted that he's only recently started actually playing tennis and he's only been on the court in the last month and he'd only started playing sets in the last couple of weeks and he said all along he wouldn't come back until he was 100% ready but you knew that the grass court season would be a pull. It's not a very long part of the season but he so loves it here. This tournament, Wimbledon, he wanted to be a part of it and he's decided that he is now ready to give it a go. Let's hear from Andy Murray. Well, Andy, it's great to have you back after 340 days away, not that we've been counting or anything, but your decision to play here, the final one was made just half an hour before the draw. What clinched that decision for you? Um, well, we, we kind of decided with my team the, the day beforehand, um, but just wanted to see how I felt the next morning when I woke up. So I played like practice sets, like back-to-back days, um, and just kind of wanted to be sure that I didn't wake up the next morning and feel bad, basically. And um, and then I had another practice scheduled um, just after the draw, so got checked over by my, my team in the morning and, you know, was, was feeling pretty good, um, and that was it. Five-time champion here, the scene of your first-ever tour-level victory. How significant is it for you that it, it should be on this grass that you make your comeback? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's obviously nice. I, you know, I was hoping that I was going to be able to play a bit, bit sooner. Um, I was planning on playing in Holland last week, but it just came a little bit too soon. <clears throat> you know, but obviously nice for me to, to play my first match back in, you know, 11 months here. I obviously, you know, love it here. Great memories, obviously, from, you know, winning the tournament and right back to when I was 18 um, as well. Seems like a long time ago, but yeah, nice, nice to be back here. At the start of the year, before you had the hip surgery, you put up a very powerful, thoughtful post on Instagram about how difficult it's been for you to, to be away from the sport and how you didn't realise how much you loved the sport until this period. How has your view of the sport changed and your relationship with it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, obviously when things are going really, really well, um, you know... I guess so. It was I think 2016. You know, I'd had had a really good year, and um, you know, you kind of expect that to just continue and keep going. Um, there's lots of pressure at that time um, as well, and the expectations are, are very high. But the expectations that you have of yourself are also, you know, very high too. Um, when you've been away from the the sport for 11 months, and you realise that it isn't like in 2016 I thought that you know winning grand slams and being number one was the most important thing in my tennis career whereas now I don't see that I I want that to still be the case obviously I 
love, love to win Grand Slams and love to get to number one in the world. All tennis players would, but I just, I just want to play tennis. Like I love playing tennis. I've really, really missed it a lot. I've missed competing. Um, you know, that that's that's the most important thing. Like getting back to to doing what what I love doing. It's not sport is about winning and losing, obviously, but it's not. It's not just about that. There's more to it. Like this has been my life since I was, you know, pr pretty young. I made the decision to to play tennis professionally when I was 15 years old. So it's been 15, 16 years of my life, and I've not been able to do that for, you know, play tennis for a year now. So it's been it's been tough. But you know, you 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 look at things a little bit differently. I think as as you get older and go through times like that. So I'm hoping that will will help me um, through the the comeback. I don't want to dwell on the negative for too long, but obviously you said it there and in the post as well. You hinted at how tough it's been mentally as well as physically. How low have the low been? Have the lows been? Are there any particular moments you can recall feeling particularly sad and, and desperate about it all? Yeah, I think like that time, like when I was over in Australia, you know, around the time when I posted that on Instagram, because you know, it'd been obviously it'd been six months at that stage where. <clears throat> You know, I hadn't played. I'd done, you know, lots of rehab. I'd been trying to avoid surgery. Um, I'd been doing what had been recommended by my team, and you know, and the doctors. And I, I hadn't got to a point where I was able to compete. And you know, I was obviously really down at, at that stage. And you know, around that period, you know, there's lots of things that are written about you and said about you, and you don't always have the opportunity to respond to that. And that's also like. I know we're very lucky, like to be tennis players, very fortunate that we get to do this like as as our job. Um, but also, like I said, this is like it's a big part of my life. Um, so when you're not able to do that, um, it, it is it is really difficult. You know, you you can be, be be very down, and it's it's hurtful when you read negative things about you as well. So at that <clears throat> at that period, I was yeah, I was I was I was pretty low. But then. After I had the surgery and decided to have the surgery, you know, it was all about, you know, let's let's get back on the court, let's let's do the rehab, let's do whatever it takes to to get back out there and you know train hard, you know, kept myself in shape the the whole time. Um, you know, I had like a week's break after I got back from Australia from the surgery, went on holiday for a week, but pretty much since then it's been, um, you know, a lot of hard work, a lot of you know, a lot of training, a lot of long. Pretty, pretty boring days of, of rehab to, to get to this stage. How much have you been following the sport? Have you been desperately watching most matches or has it been painful to, for you to, to watch it too much? Um, I, at the beginning, I watched a lot and then, then, then I didn't really. Um, like, you know, like during the French Open, for example, I saw bits and pieces, but I didn't sit down and watch like loads of tennis which normally like I would have done but you know I've also during those tournaments not like I've just been sitting at home like I've been you know I've been training and rehabbing and spending lots of time doing that stuff as well so certainly at the beginning I you know I was I was watching a lot of tennis and really missing it when I was less maybe when I was less active then as I started to progress like with the the rehab and stuff I've kind of I guess maybe being a bit more selfish and just kind of concentrated on, on, on myself and, and trying to get myself better rather than, than following the, the sport that much.
in the last year we've seen two slams for Federer, two for Nadal. Is it kind of comforting to you to see two guys over 30 who have been through, obviously particularly Nadal, their fair share of injury woes still dominating the sport? Yeah, I think that's the, I mean, that's obviously nice. A lot of the, you know, the older players recently have been doing, you know, have been doing better. And I think a lot of it is down to, to, to the level as well. Like, they're two of the best players of all time. So providing they are healthy, you know, they're going to be able to compete and, and win the, the biggest competitions. And that's something that obviously over the last year, you know, Novak has been injured, Stan was injured, myself was injured. You look at someone like Del Potro as well, who's been through lots of different um, issues and, you know, is, is back now pretty much at the top of the game, you know, competing for, for the biggest events. So, you know, there's a lot of um, sort of case studies around um, just now that, that give you, you hope and, and optimism. And, you know, like I said, I. I don't know if this week I'm going to be playing well. I don't know if it will be in like three or four weeks' time, but maybe, you know, in, in three, four months when I've had a bit more sort of matches under my belt and a bit more training time that um, hopefully I'll be able to get back to that level again. You've become very accustomed to playing under a huge deal of pressure, I guess, internal and external. None of that now. Is there something a little bit liberating about that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when I get on the court, I'll, I'll know... I still think oh, I'll feel very nervous when I get back out there again, just because, you know, when you get out there, you, you want to perform and you want to play well in terms of, you know, my, my expectations, like they are extremely low. Um, I'm not expecting to win against Kyrgios. Um, I, I don't think it'd be right to, to, to think that way after such a long time out. But yeah, obviously I, I want to be competitive. I don't just want to go out there and sort of roll over and, you know, play play badly like I want to try and play well and feel good on the court but my expectations are pretty low. Three Grand Slam titles, world number one and knighthood, two Olympic gold medals, Davis Cup. What unfinished business do you feel you still have in this sport? Um, I, I don't I don't know if it's so much like about like a result I think kind of getting back and sort of after such a long time out like I guess proving to myself that I can still you know, still perform at this at this level. Um, you know, I, I've I've said quite openly, like I'm I'm quite I'm quite motivated to play to to have my daughters come along and watch. I w I would really like that. So at least, you know, before I stop, that maybe they would have an understanding of of what it is that that, that I did. Um, so yeah, that that's really it. I mean, not it's not it's not about winning ma major competitions. I would love to do that. And I still hope that that's the case and I'll work extremely hard to, to try and do that. But it's not the most important thing. Well, Andy, welcome back and best Thanks. of luck on Tuesday. Thank you. So Andy Murray there, Gigi, with Catherine Whittaker. And I mean, you know, that you can hear in his voice, can't you, how much it means to him to be back out here. Absolutely. He's he's missed it, hasn't it? And I know all players will say to you that it has been nice to spend time. He has a young family to be off the court, but he really wanted to get back out here. He wanted to get better. He said all along that he knew he would play tennis again. We still need to work out at to what level he'll play tennis to. But David, how have you found it dealing with him as the media director here? You were escorting him around places, talking to him, because to me, he seemed very relaxed. Is that the impression you've got from him? It, it is. It's as if he actually believes now that 
maybe he is more or less ready. I mean, I, I th- look, he's not 100%. He, he has said that. He has said he's got no expectations, really. But the difference in the look in his features on his face compared to a few months ago when he tried his comebacks before and he missed the US Open, he, you know, and all those sort of times, he always looked as though he was just unsure of himself. And now... I feel when I was watching him practice, he had practice sets with Cam Norrie. He's, he's had others as well. It looks like he is, has trust in his body again, at least to do what he's asking it to do. The, the big question mark, though, is how will it react under the pressure of competition, both physically and mentally? And, I mean, to open up against Nick Kyrgios, I mean, goodness me. It's actually quite good for him. There is something about Andy Murray. Nick Kyrgios cannot play against Andy Murray. He has so much respect for Murray. We know that there is between the two of them. But it's almost as though he respects him too much that he freezes. He's not the Nick Kyrgios that we've seen play sets and come through in the past against Roger Federer and other big names. It, I think it's a really it's going to be tough for Andy Murray. It's his first competitive match since Wimbledon last year. But I don't think it's the worst draw that he could have. He's got this... Perfect head-to-head against Kyrgios. And again, there's just some mental block in the Australian when he goes on court against Murray. That's going to be interesting. Well, he'll be in town tomorrow, will Nick Kyrgios, practising on the lawns of the Queen's Club. We'll look forward to seeing him. Maybe able to get a chat with him at some point. We do hope so. Now, somebody else we have got to hear from today. Gigi having a chat with a 12-time Grand Slam champion. He reached the final here in 2008, and he's back for the first time in 2010 when he won the doubles alongside Jonathan Ehrlich. And he spoke to Gigi, who asked him what it was like to be here. It's great to be back. This is how comfortable I am. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I haven't played this tournament uh, for eight years. Played finals in back in 2008, won my first and only doubles title in 2010. Um, but I've, I've enjoyed every time I, I played here. Uh, it's, it doesn't get much better than this, you know, see, seeing uh, the fresh virgin grass uh, of the center court uh, where nobody's allowed to play before the first match on Monday. Uh, that's something that is very special in tradition of, um, of, a, of a British tennis uh, and something that you don't get to see anywhere else. Um, and, and something that I, I truly respect and appreciate. Uh, the fact that you nurture the culture of the sport and in this tournament you can, you can sense that. So um, the field is very strong. It was always strong, uh, especially in the last you know, 10 years and even more. Uh, the top players are always taking part in this tournament because it's the best possible you know, preparation for, for Wimbledon. But also this is a very prestigious tournament, so you want to win it. And, uh, and for me, as, uh, as, as probably many of the, the other, other top players on the, on the tour, it's the first uh, grass court tournament um, this season, so we all want to start off well. I was thinking about this when I knew you were coming here, that this time last year you were getting ready for Eastbourne, you yes. won the title. The season then sadly came to a close at Wimbledon. Is it even possible to sum up the last 12 months, because you've been on... You've been on a roller coaster ride in terms of injuries, suffering something you hadn't suffered before, and surge. I imagine the highs and lows have yes. been really big. Yes, they were really big. Uh, my poor wife had to deal with that on a <laughs> daily basis. But uh, yeah, it is what it is, and, and, and it was a learning curve for me, to be honest, in the, in the last 12 months, especially, but also in the last two, two and a half years that um, there has been a period through which I have carried my elbow injury. And I haven't been very 
familiar with the severity of, um, of this injury uh, until I had to retire from uh, Wimbledon quarterfinals last year, which was not a good feeling, um, especially because it's Wimbledon and I love that tournament, uh, but also because I realized that I'm not able to hit the ball anymore, neither forehand nor serve. And so that was a sign to stop and I took six months off uh, what I was told that is plenty of time to recover but when I went back on the court preparing for new season it started hurting again. So I went back on the court and managed to play Australian Open somehow but with pain and then I had to make a surgery and then several months after that throughout most of the clay court season I had to deal with the consequences of a surgery. So you know all of these new circumstances have um, affected you know, affected my game and several changes with the racket and, and uh, you know, compensations with, uh, within the game itself. Um, but, you know, I, I, I try to look at it from a positive side. You know, this obviously had to happen. And, and as I said, it was a learning curve because it's a lesson that I need to learn. Uh, probably the biggest one is to be patient, <laughs> which was never uh, my stronger side. And, um, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm right now I'm more comfortable with everything, with those changes and grass uh, at the beginning of my career was not one of my favorite turn, uh, surfaces, but right now it's, uh, I, f I feel comfortable on it and I look forward to compete. Because I was wondering if it almost gets to the point where it's more mental than physical, because the pain is there and you get used to yeah. it to a point. But from a mental point, you're not starting from scratch, but maybe you're playing in first rounds when you're used to coming into the second rounds yes. and it's just building everything up so at times mentally you just must have thought oh this is difficult yeah I mean especially because you are not able to execute the, the game plan or the shots that you have been you know doing so well for so many years and then you you, you start to question everything and uh, it's such a it's such a you know it's a game of such a fine margins you know and and, and details and you're by yourself on the court, so there's, there's no one to really help you out on the court or substitute you if something goes wrong. You have to deal with all these emotions and, and pressures and, 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 and anxiety and excitement and everything. Um, but, you know, as, as I said, you know, once what, you know, the minor ch what seems like a minor change has a major effect on the, on the game itself. So that's something that you have to accept and, and embrace, as I said, and, and deal with it and understand you know, what is the, the strategy? What, what, what's the best way to deal with it? But one thing that I learned in this experience is that you can't create a strategy for something that you don't even know how it feels until you get to feel it. So, uh, so that's something that, uh, that I, was, I was trying to do it. I didn't know. And uh, when I was uh, six months off the tour, I was trying to strategize, okay, this is how I'm going to feel, this is what I'm going to do. I was trying to do millions of things, and then I came back on the court, the pain reappeared, and then just everything just dropped into water, and I just uh, went to, to a not-that-great-state of mind, and, and, and surgery and all these things. But it's, it's the great thing about life is that it just allows you to grow all the time whether you're going to grow or not it solely depends on you and he mentioned your wife and you got to spend some time with your young family and you recently had your second child are you good at being at home doing nothing or was she very happy for you to leave the house and get back playing uh, a little bit of both um, I, I don't want to speak on you know on her behalf but I, I think uh, she's happy when I'm at home 
and um, you know helping with two children because two kids is quite different from one one kid as many people would probably know that they're in that in that um, scenario and situation in life but uh, but I, I, I loved my time at home without without a racket um, I missed that to be honest I was it was part of me that was asking for that throughout my career like can I have a little bit more time because the season is so long and and I got it and I and I got to spend this this valuable unforgettable time with 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 two children and I would never change that for anything and uh, I miss them right now they're not with me but they're gonna be there for for Wimbledon and uh, but my wife also uh, thankfully supports me very much in tennis and she also wants me to go out on on the court and play I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So, Novak Djokovic, Shizu, you were with him. He was sat right in front of you. What, what did you make of his body language? Very relaxed. Novak Djokovic is a tough one because I think he does have quite a cultivated media image. I think he knows how to be in front of the media because he wants to give the persona that everything's fine and everything's relaxed. We know that over the past year it's been far from that. But he genuinely seemed, you get the sort of maybe only a couple of questions and you've got to be really, really quick. But when he sat down, his, his arm was over the side resting on the balcony ledge. He was very relaxed. He was laughing. He was chatting. When we asked him to do a little welcome video to the fans, he said, absolutely no 
no problem. And he just seemed even a little bit more relaxed. And I heard him go over to Amazon and he said, oh, I, I, I haven't had Amazon Prime and I don't have a smart speaker, but I'm learning about it. And, and again, as I say, I, I'm, it, it's a tough one with Novak Djokovic because I think he's very good when he has to be in this situation. But he did seem to be very, very relaxed. And it, and it was just, as I say, if you just heard there, very interesting what he had to say about the ups and downs and, and dealing with it and getting to back where he is now. Well, it's great to see Novak Djokovic back here. It's been, it's been a long time and it's going to be fascinating, isn't it? He is going to open up against John Millman of Australia, which is not an easy match. I mean, that, that is a guy who knows his way around a grass court. And so we'll, we'll, we'll get to see that uh, in a couple of days time on on Tuesday just laughing about John Millman because we were it was media day as you mentioned today and we had a few questions sort of quick fire questions and one of them is do you have a party trick and maybe I shouldn't spoil it but it involves his tongue and a snake and uh, I did ask him about facing Novak Djokovic and he said look it, it could have been easier I've come through qualifying I was so happy to be in qualifying but yes the party trick with it with a snake and, and his tongue I, I actually think we're going to try and find a snake so he can show us the party trick a real snake? A jelly snake. I, oh. I thought it was, I said, I thought you were talking about a python. And he said, <laughs> he said no, it's, it's, it's a jelly snake. So look out for it on our social media accounts. But we are actually going to find a snake and, and see if John Millman can do the party trick. Right. OK, I'll look forward to that. Uh, talking to people who've been uh, talking to you at Media Day, uh, Cameron Norrie? Yes, Cameron Norrie, he, uh, does he have a party trick? Can we call this a party trick? Maybe we can. Uh, again, very relaxed. This is where he made his main tour debut last year. So he said, it's so nice to be back. I asked him how things have changed over the last year. And he said, well, I'm quite grounded. Nothing really has changed that much, but seems to be in a very, very happy place. And uh, it was all about finding new things, hidden talents about some of the players. And I think we found another one in Cameron Norrie. Queens and Journal is just a very special tournament. Um, feels feels great to be back here on the grass um, and it's just a great place to lead up to Wimbledon and um, really ex- excited to get out on the court. It's going to be my first time on centre court tomorrow um, playing Rowinka so it's going to be um, a great battle and just to play another big dog it's it's going to be ex- very exciting for me and um, really really looking forward to it. I was wondering about this, you turned professional last June, it's been a year now, how has yeah. life changed in that time? Um, I don't think mentally it's changed too much. I'm still, uh, I still want more and more and more. So, um, managed to get inside the top hundred, which is great. Um, but and yeah, coming starting, uh, just finished uni uh, like a year ago. So it's been pretty surreal for me. Um, but it's been a great journey, and it's been it's been very tough. I've had some ups and downs, but overall, it's just very exciting to me for me. And it's just uh, just really want to see how far I can go and just see. Um, see where I can go with tennis and I'm really really enjoying it and I'm happy and grateful to be playing tennis for a living. Is it quite nice to have the studying behind you now? I didn't actually graduate so you need, a, you need four years to graduate in the States and I did three years so um, I can go back for free whenever and get my degree and maybe do that one day but for now I'll focus on my tennis um, but it was nice to kind of get a little bit more balance in my life and have the studies to kind of um, offset the tennis and a little bit more socialising and but now it's all very serious and professional now so um, I'm enjoying my life so far. I didn't really think play. about that but I guess with the studying it was maybe quite a nice distraction away from the tennis sometimes. For sure it was a great balance for me um, and then you have your whole team there as well working out with you, practising with you so it's not all about you and it's, um, it's quite nice to bounce off your teammates and you get real close to your teammates so it's it's um, been a big change for me. I've been 
just traveling out here by myself. Luckily, I had one of my old teammates. Um, he's my coach now, um, Faku Laguna. So um, it's been great that he's he's been able to come with me, and um, that has been it's been really good so far, mate. Where would you say your favorite place that you visited in the last year has been, and why? Because um, the tennis tour goes yeah. to some amazing places. Yeah, for sure, I think. Funny enough, I went to Estoril, Portugal, and I loved it there. Um, stayed in a hotel right on the beach. Um, I played well. I won the doubles there with Kyle. So overall, just a suc- successful week. And um, I think it was a nice place in general. I, there's been some great places too, but f- for some reason, that week just stands out to me. And definitely winning that doubles title. Now, this is going to be the tricky part. We're going to ask you to pick out a mixing stick, okay. read the question, and give us your best answer. Okay. What can you do that would surprise people? Can you speak a different language? I can speak th- gibberish. Do you know what that is? It's like when you put, like, idigs in between syllables so, like, only your friends can understand it. So could you so do... So it'll be like... What does that mean? And, like, if you want to just talk about someone behind their back and they're sitting right there, you can just say it right in front of their face. Like, for example, I just said, hello, my name is Cameron Norrie. But it was just, like, another language that only, like, my friends understood, so... So you've got other people that do understand this language? Yeah, all my teammates at college understood it and all my mates back in New Zealand, we kind of understood it. and It's kind of bizarre, but I think, I think there are other versions of it and people do know what I'm talking about. You're looking at me like, what are you talking about? But... <laughs> do you sometimes slip into it, but not even realising it, and people look at you a bit like I was then thinking, what is this? No, I'm not like just randomly blurting it out, but no, I think it is quite handy if you just want to talk, talk about someone behind their back or something like that, but... No, I like that's that. Big surprise. Does yeah. your coach speak speak gibberish? No, he so, speaks a Spanish version of it. Actually, my coach is Argentinian. So, so do you understand the Spanish? I'm just thinking, you know, you need to get sort of encore coaching. That I know it's not allowed, but if he wants yeah. to say something, get a True. message across to you, no one's going to understand. Do, uh, no, no, he don't, I don't really understand Spanish anyway, so he's still trying <laughs> it to would teach be gibberish. Me that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blimey, I wasn't expecting that, Gigi. Uh, Can you speak gibberish? Um, many people would say so. <laughs> uh, in fact, they would say you're doing it right now. So. Order of play, first day, Monday, Fever Tree Championships, what we got? It's fabulous. We start with Denis Shapovalov, who was part of the draw, and it took place, and he said he's so excited to be out there against the big-serving Gilles Muller. They've got Stan Vavrinka. So many question marks still about the fitness, the knee. Can he come back against the man who can speak gibberish in Cameron Norrie? <laughs> then Marin Cilic was also very, very relaxed at media day, talking about his wedding planning and his wife his wife-to-be then put him in charge of food and music. He said he felt no pressure. And he was also allowed, only allowed in the tournament if he promised Stephen Farrow, the tournament director, that England would be his second team at the World Cup. He takes on Fernando Vadasco. And then Jay Clark, who we had a chat with, who was just so happy to be here, taking on Sam Querrey, another recently married man on tour. And a man who won this title in 2010. We've also got uh, Kyle Edmund and Neil Skupski playing in doubles against Grigor Dimitrov and Ryan Harrison on court one. Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez are going to be out there playing doubles against Manorino and Martin and uh, Jack Sock against Daniel Medvedev. These are all court one matches, so that means that people who've got their uh, grounds pass can get in and uh, and watch some, some really cool tennis. So it's all coming up. There are still some tickets on the door if you'd like to get them tomorrow and come and watch some of this amazing tennis on the centre court. But Gigi Salmon and myself, David Law, that's about it for us 
for the night. We're going to go and rest up. We'll be back tomorrow with another tennis podcast every night. I think this is probably my sole appearance, to be honest, Shiji, because I think Catherine is going to go barging in here after her, her work on uh, Amazon Prime Video and covering and presenting this tournament. But uh, she'll be back in position tomorrow. We can't wait for it. We hope you join us. We've been the tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and our executive producers, Melanie Bowes and Triple S, and of course, tennisballs.com and our mascot. You didn't know this, did you, you? We've got a mascot. It's Charlie the Ferret. We'll see you tomorrow. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.